Welcome back. It is the NFC East mixtape. That is Bear. Uh, this is the greatest crossover event ever attempted and successfully landed in the history of mankind. You can hear this podcast in any of four different places. Uh, all of SB Nation's homes for NFC East content. That's Blogging the Boys, Bleeding Green Nation, Hogs Haven, and Big Blue View. He is Brandon Lee Gowden of Bleeding Green Nation. I am RJ Ochoa of Blogging the Boys. We are recording this several days in advance, and we are both on some time crunches. So this is going to be an episode to say the least blg i love how it was dead quiet until you literally <laughs> started the show and then bear started to bark it's almost like he knew somehow that's that's a good way to start the show rj we're on a time crunch but it's a fun show we have for the listeners today Longtime listeners of the nfc east will know that we did this activity last year around this time Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. I, I, you sounded like you were going to lead into it so uh what brandon is talking about uh is um we're going to do, well. We're kicking off a bit of a series, if if you want to be frank about it. Uh, and the reason for that, if we're being fully frank, um, is we're going to be on a time crunch for the next couple of weeks. You talked, Brandon, about how we're both traveling um, on our last episode, uh, so we're recording this one and next week's episodes on days that are normally not when we record. So for full context, uh, this episode will not feature any sort of breaking news. Uh, we're recording this on Thursday, June 9th, but it will drop on Wednesday, June 15th. Um, so if any major NFC East news happens between now and then, obviously, just make sure to check uh, your local NFC East team site and their podcast network, and they'll obviously have you covered uh, for when the Eagles trade Jalen Hurts for Jimmy Garoppolo. But um, Also, real quick, I should probably <laughs> note, RJ, that as of June 9th, there is not a work stoppage at Vox mm. Media. So we're recording this before, and hopefully, as we're recording this on June 9th, we don't get to that point. Hopefully, a new deal is reached, and we can continue to provide great content here, but that's some additional context that should probably be said. And if you want to help uh, prevent that from happening, you can reach out to RJ and I on social media. Uh, I'm at Brandon Gatlin on Twitter and Instagram, and RJ Ochoa is on those platforms with his name as well if you want to reach out to us to help support us. And make sure there isn't a work stoppage. Yeah, um, the uh, potential work stoppage, hypothetical work stoppage would begin two days prior to this episode dropping so we really don't know what uh what next week or rather today has in store for us and you uh but you know it is just a a, you know we want to get episodes out we love content we love making content we love our jobs as brandon mentioned um which is why we're hustling and bustling to get this thing done uh before all the traveling happens so uh brandon with that being said are we ready to finally begin after kind of dancing around the subject for almost three minutes so people already know it anyway, because it's in the, the title slash headline, whatever platform you're watching this on YouTube or the podcast. It is the NFC East most underrated. So we're going to go team by team. And last year we did offense, defense, and a legacy pick. I don't really feel like it makes sense to go legacy again, because we're probably just going to repeat some of our answers. I, I would think we would. Um, so if you want to go back and look through last year's show, you really can if you if you care about that. But we're going to do offense, defense for each team. And then at the end, just really quickly want to touch on the division's most underrated head coach, GM, and then assistant coach slash coordinator. So why don't we start off, RJ, as we usually do, with the reigning NFC East mm-hmm. champs, but then lost mm-hmm. in the first round in very mm-hmm. embarrassing fashion. The Cowboys, who will certainly not repeat in 2022, who was their most underrated player why don't you go first with the cowboys this time since i stole your thunder on the question the truth serum episode so so um the most underrated offensive player obviously is where we're starting i think we'll keep that order for all yep. four offense defense and then uh, kind of round out the division as a whole 
Uh, it's difficult to be underrated as a Dallas Cowboy in general. Um, I've said that for many years. It's something, though, that the truly elite achieve, like Tony Romo. Um, and you have to like earn your stripes to become underrated as a member of the Dallas Cowboys. I have a few nominees that I whittled it down to in my mind. Uh, first was Michael Gallup, but I understand that he's come back from injury and people are kind of like hard pressed to like strongly evaluate him in any sense. Um, I do think that we're going to hear a lot of like fantasy takes about Michael Gallup. People are going to be like, oh, you can stash Michael Gallup because he's not going to be whatever. Um, I think you can make an argument that Dak Prescott's underrated. I, you know, it, but well, like, because you, and, and this is going to be a common theme for me through, for, for this episode. Underrated means underrated. It doesn't mean like they're actually really good. It means they're underrated. Uh, right. So if, if somebody believes that somebody is trash and they're not trash, then they're underrated. Um, and so Dak gets a lot of heat. But some of that is just the nature of being the Dallas Cowboys quarterback. Um, I think you could make a weak argument that Zeke Elliott has become somewhat underrated because people have like gone to a point of over criticism uh, with him. But, you know, the classic Bill Simmons, so overrated, he's underrated. Right. Um, Tony Pollard, I think, would be like a Vogue answer. People would say like he uh, like, in fact, um, well, this week that we're recording this, uh, Mina Kimes went on uh, NFL Live and talked about how the Cowboys need to use him more and, you know, how he is the better back on the team. And all that is true. But I do think that's a little bit, you know, it's, it's a little bit low hanging fruit uh, for the purposes of this example. It's a great answer. But I will say Terrence Steele, their starting right mm. tackle. I think he is a very average NFL right tackle. And I think that that's super impressive given that he obviously uh, started as an undrafted free agent two years ago. And he has is he is really the reason that they moved on from Lyle Collins. I mean, because of their belief in him, he's grinded his way to this point. Um, and I think unlike Tony Pollard and everybody else, like I think your average NFL fan doesn't know his name. Um, and given that he's an average NFL starter, I think that's impressive. So he's my answer. I thought about including Terrence Steele, but I felt like it was bad vibes in the uh, offseason of the Cowboys, maybe overestimating him like they might be overrating him a little bit because they mm -hmm. cut Leo Collins and it's like the, the offensive line makeup and everything so uh I didn't end up going with him Gallup I considered as well but he's the NFL's 24th highest paid receiver annually now and I don't think I mean that's another... well he hasn't played it down with with those circumstances and that context but that's I mean so I mean I think that's all I would say part of it it's like so again to your point about in terms of like it's not about they suck or whatever um it's about like for overrated i guess so more so it's about the perspective like and some guys i think are underrated nationally but might not be by the cowboys fan base or right, 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 right. so it's all about perspective too uh i'm coming at it still from like more i am going with the low-hanging fruit here i'm going to go with tony pollard sure. because he's the correct answer just from like the cowboys own perspective like, like they are underrating him clearly it's it's ridiculous that Zeke is getting the amount of touches that he is over him when you consider Tony Pollard second in PFF rushing grade last year, fourth in yards after contact per rush attempt. He's 20th in receiving grade among running backs. And if you want to compare those categories to Zeke, like Pollard it's, is way uh, ahead. It's, not, it's like, not close. Zeke is 21st in rushing grade, 43rd in yards after contact per rushing attempt, and 40th in receiving grade. Also, if you want to argue like pass protection, you would think Zeke might be better, you know, as a bigger guy. Pollard actually was 37th in PFF's pass protection grade, and Zeke was 53rd. So he was worse than literally every possible category. Uh, it doesn't make sense to me. I think some guys, in fairness to the Cowboys, I don't know if this is the case. I don't know this like applies here but as a general concept i think there are players who are better in a contributing role as a role player 
and they just because they do well there doesn't mean they can handle the volume like not all efficiency guys can handle massive volume um and obviously zeke has demonstrated to that to some point but i still think they're being really dumb and they should be playing tony pollard more often the only thing you said that i would disagree with is you said that the team is underrating tony pollard i don't think that's true at all i think the team is fully aware of how skilled and capable tony pollard is i think they just prefer this you know what i mean so like i don't like i think i think that's almost giving them too much credit to say that they are underrating tony pollard i think they're they're properly rating him in their assessments of their talent pool but they just would rather they want to they're frank sinatraing this thing they want to do it this way that they want to win this way this is the dallas cowboys they want to be like emmett smith in the 90s with the big offensive line up front the great wall of dallas like that's how they want to play and win football games um so okay tony Pollard, whatever uh defensively i think my answer will surprise some dallas cowboys fans um uh, but mm. you can go first i'm gonna take jaron curse um mm. again yeah, that's you're all about the low-hanging fruit yum 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 I mean, I don't know who else I was really going to go with here. No one else jumped out to me in a super big way. He was PFF's third highest graded Cowboys defender. He only had a 77.5 pass rating allowed last year with two interceptions, 10 passes defensed. He signed for two years, $10 million, $5 million guaranteed. That's like a pretty reasonable contract. It's the 24th highest annual value. But when you consider like this offseason where safety's got big money. Like Honey Badger got big money. Marcus Williams obviously got top of the market contract. Justin Reed broke the bank with the Chiefs. And then even someone like Marcus May coming off a, a down season uh, got some decent money with the Saints uh, as well, in addition to the Honey Badger. So for an offseason where all these guys are getting kind of overpaid or big money, like the Cowboys re-signed Jaron Kirst at like a pretty reasonable rate. And I think just based on the market and everything, I think he's kind of underrated. It's a different argument, but I'm so terrified of what he represents because he represents to the Cowboys front office like we can do it. We can we can look under the rocks and we can find these, uh, you know, these players that nobody's evaluating and we can turn them into the superstars. Yeah, maybe you can. And that did happen. They have they had a lot of you know players that kind of you know had some massive returns on investment for them in 2021. But the likelihood of that repeating in 2022 is extremely low. Uh, J. Ron Curse was like the name. I don't know how well monitoring your or how well you monitored the situation, but like. You know, it seemed like he was going to leave. The Carolina Panthers were interested in him, um, and it really felt like he, it was going to just be another one that got away. But the Cowboys did manage to get him back, and to your point, on a two-year deal. Uh, so a little bit of security there. He is, I don't think this is an exaggeration, the best safety the Cowboys have had since Roy Williams, um, who is That a, was another he, part of it for me. For like a position that the Cowboys has plagued the Cowboys for so long, I think that factored in. Yeah, uh, Roy Williams would be a different legacy answer. Like, you know, there's like legacy players that like, were actually really good, but the end was really bad. So people like just assume they were that bad player, you know, for the entire duration of their career. But um, so that's fi fine answer. I mean, like, and really, you know, there's not a lot of opportunities to give J. Ron Curse as an answer for, you know, a question like this. I mean, obviously he's only played for the team for one year, but a journeyman, NFL journeyman before, um, you know, kind of having a solid spot. Shout out to Dan Quinn, obviously for getting the best out of him. Speaking of journeyman, this is a very different question, but did you see the tweet going around uh, when Ryan Fitzpatrick retired? I don't know who tweeted this, uh, but I just saw it a few times. Somebody tweeted like, Ryan Fitzpatrick is arguably the best backup quarterback in NFL history, which is a point I think we both disagree with. But, uh, but they said, should he go into the Hall of Fame for that? And it was... <laughs> No, just, I, I know it's really, really funny. Uh, but anyway. and he's not, and that's not even true. Like he wasn't even a backup. He was a starter for like multiple stints. You know, he wasn't like pure backup all the time who happened to just get in. Like he was a starter in Buffalo and he was a starter with the Jets and he was a starter in Miami. And then he was um, a starter in Washington. Like, that doesn't even make sense. I know. Like, like I said, I don't know how you could even qualify who the greatest backup is. Like, because it's like. I like, think Snake Bowls. I mean, 
you know, who had the greatest like, backup moment, obviously, Nick Foles answers that. Yeah. Anyway, uh, my answer for this is somebody who, again, kind of like was so like, I don't think he was ever overrated. I think he just he became like a punching bag. And he sort of represents like anytime you have a problem with the Cowboys defense, you scream this dude's name, Anthony Brown. Trayvon mm-hmm. Diggs had all the interceptions last year and good for him. And he's awesome. Best corner on the team. Obviously, no, not taking any digs at digs. Um, mm-hmm. But I, I do think that Anthony Brown, like, it's kind of one of those things that, like, anything good that happens to the Cowboys defense gets attributed to other people, and anything bad, it's always like, well, Anthony Brown sucks. And he had, kind of like Connor Williams, had a horrible number of penalties last year. Anthony Brown had the really bad game on Thanksgiving against the Raiders. And when you have a bad game in a big moment like that, people just remember that forever. Um, I want you to guess, Brandon, where Anthony Brown ranked as far as PFF's defensive grades, specifically defensive grades. At cornerback, among yeah. all cornerbacks, and this is like out of players who've at least played twenty percent of the snaps. Mm-hmm. Okay, so I'm going to guess he was like thirty fourth. Um, you were a little too generous. He was fortieth. Okay. But do you know who was thirty ninth? Uh, no. Patrick Sertan. Okay. So, like, again, I'm not trying to like really, you know. The cornerback um, that all the Cowboys fans wanted. Right, but that, that's my point. Like, yeah. you know what I mean? And I'm, I'm not trying to be like, oh, the Cowboys basically got Patrick Sertan. They really <laughs> killed the 2021 draft. But, like, my point is, like, he is so much better than people tend to give him credit for. Um, and I think that that should be said. Marlon Humphrey was 41st. I mean, again, this is one very poor way of looking at this, and I'm using it specifically to kind of prove my point. But I think when you look at now Cowboys defenders, like Micah Parsons gets all the love. Demarcus Lawrence, there's this, like, camp of, like, that loves him, camp that hates him. I I think even Leighton Vander still gets some pub. Uh, J. Ron Curse now has a hive. Uh, Dorrance Armstrong even has a hive. Like the, Cow- the Cowboys defensive tackles are starting to get some love. Like Neville Gallimore, Osa Digizua played really well last year. People are really excited about John Ridgeway. So like by default to me, the only dude who like doesn't have anybody that likes him is Anthony Brown. And I think he's a, a fine player. So I think the, the math sort of makes him the most underrated in my mind. Um, so congratulations to him. He though um, had not a great corner number in 30. Um, but you know, that's a fine corner number. I like, we both agree, like Jersey number and Alex and whatnot, but switched this off season to three, not five. Terrible. I I hate this new world, dude. It's so stupid. It's really bad. Um, Zach Pascal is wearing three for the Eagles and it's dumb. It's really dumb. It's really like Anthony Brown would be such a good, like 33 or like, you know, you know what I miss? 31. I missed the 40s on, like, I loved Terrence Newman in 41. Like, that was such a great, mm. you know, I mean, 40s are not better than 20s, don't get me wrong, for corners. But, th- like, in the right circumstances, they can work. Um, I'd rather see a safety in 41 than a corner. It's fine. I mean, whatever. Terrence Newman is an exception. But so those are our most underrated Dallas Cowboys. Are you ready for the Philadelphia Eagles? Last thing I want to say is Dorrance Armstrong in his hive is Stephen Jones. <laughs> Didn't he compare? Uh, who was uh, it? It was, like, he said something. Oh, Randy Gregory's uh, production. Yeah, he literally looked at like, like I will fully acknowledge that like using a PFF defensive grade is not exactly like a brilliant thing. Uh, but Steven Jones that it was like, well, they basically had the same number of sacks last year. It's like, Steven, what are you doing, dude? Like, um, but Jerry, actually, Jerry has gone on the radio many times in the last few years and hyped up Dorrance Armstrong. So it is a Jones thing uh, to hype up Dorrance Armstrong. Um, are we ready for uh, the uh, – I was going to spell Eagles, but yeah. I can't remember who I picked last year. Um, I don't know if you went and looked, but I think I know. Um, I think that I picked Miles Sanders last year. I think you I feel, did. I feel like that was a fine choice, but that's not my choice mm-hmm. this year. Um, I think this is – I think I'm going to shock you. Okay. Okay. This, and I think I'm going to shock the BGN radio listeners. Wow, you picked Jalen Hurts, didn't you? I love you all. Let me be very clear, BGN radio. 
I think your sports team is the scum of the earth, and I wish you nothing but like sports barrel. Uh, but I wish you health, wealth, and happiness in every other aspect of life. That being said, I know that I upset a lot of people when I talked about him on the SB Nation NFL show. Everybody go listen to that. Subscribe, leave a rating, write a review. Oh, A.J. Brown. A.J. Brown. I think he is, and I think he's underrated the most by like Eagles haters. And I don't think that that is just limited to Dallas Cowboys fans, but I, and I maintain that I, I think every team that trade, that's why like this is such an interesting situation. I think every team that traded for a wide receiver this offseason lost that trade, except for the Cleveland Browns, because, well, the Dallas Cowboys were on the other end of that. But um, I think, you know, what I, I'm not saying Traylon Burks is a better receiver than AJ Brown, but I like the, obviously I would rather like go down that path, assuming Traylon Burks develops into a star wide receiver, uh, granted a big assumption. Big assumption. Right. So that being said, I think AJ Brown is I, for, I forget the stat that Michael Kiss, shout out to uh, BGN Radio legend, um, used to cite every Monday on Monday Football Monday. Uh, but, like, A.J. Brown might be the most, like, aggressive catcher of the ball in the NFL. And I don't think that we're factoring that enough into, like, how much better he can make Jalen Hurts. Um, and I, I think he's played for the Titans, low market team, not on a ton of, like, nationally televised games. Um, he's a big fantasy player, and so, like, that hive knows of him. Uh, but I, I, he doesn't have the same, like, pub. And I'm not putting him on this level, but as, like, Devontae Adams and Tyree Kill. And so he doesn't get the same sort of conversations generated about him. So I think A.J. Brown might be the most underrated. He hasn't had the multiple thousand yard seasons. And as I've talked about a lot, you know, that's a result of the Titans having literally one of the run heaviest offenses in the league, as they should, because they have the best running back and Derrick Henry, or at least one of the top wow. two running Good backs. Good thing the Eagles love to pass the ball then. Well, I mean, I do think they're going to pass more than they did last year, at least at the end of the year. I mean, that's that's what they want to be. Like, that's not a question. Obviously, they went like their their run heaviness last year was not the norm for the organization. And they want to get back to passing. And what is a way to do that? Well, get some better receivers and see if you actually can do that more often. It's not going to be probably as much as it was early in the year. They're not going to be like a top five passing team in terms of volume, but they're certainly going to be somewhere above 32nd where they were last year in the end. So I respect the AJ Brown answer, but I am using wow. that to actually go with my most underrated pick, which is a guy that I love maybe way too much. And it's Devontae Smith because. I think all eyes are on AJ Brown. Friendly explanation NFL show. But like, it's like, okay, they got, they got, yes, he is. They got AJ Brown now and everyone's talking about him so much. And like, oh, he's, he's definitely, you know, wide receiver one here. And like, I get why you would rank him above Devontae Smith because there's more proven production there. But I just think Devontae Smith is underrated in by the Eagles, first of all, because there were 38 players who had more targets than him last year. And that's ridiculous. Um, and I think Devontae Smith, and it's not just this, but he looked really good in his first OTA practice. And whereas him and Jalen Hurts are really like on the same page, AJ Brown and Devon uh, and Jalen Hurts weren't as much, even though they're buddies. And by the way, you overrate this way so much. Like, like it would be the first time in NFL history that a team would break up players who are close. And it's not even like AJ Brown and Jalen Hurts are like lifelong I think friends. They met in dude, like college. You are the king of those kind of storylines. And so like I, Everyone made such a big deal when the Eagles traded Jordan Matthews. Like, oh, it's Carson Wentz's best friend. I remember it was so dumb. I remember reporters. Yeah, look how that worked out with Carson Wentz. I mean, yeah, look, that was, yeah, that look was how it worked out. He that was went the first on thread. An MVP tear, and the Eagles won the Super Bowl that year. Yeah, like, and then how did it go such after a that? Big deal out of that. I mean, okay, it didn't, it didn't crumble because Jordan Matthews wasn't there. They brought Jordan Matthews back. <laughs> I years am, after that, and it didn't get any better. 
separate NFL subject, I'm very curious to see if the Derek Carr, Devontae Adams thing works. Like, we've kind of seen it already with two and, and Jalen Waddle. But, like, if, if the Derek Carr, that's the biggest, like, example of it. And if they it actually works, played together on, like, right, right. and Hurts. But, yeah. but, like, Tua and Jalen Waddle were just, like, teammates. But, like, Derek Carr and Devontae Adams were, like, best friends. or You know, or at least chummy. And so, like, if that works, I do think it will lead to more of that. You know what I'm saying? Like, it's just because that's the way the NFL works. But uh, continue. And Jamar Chase and uh, Burrow, too. Um, yeah, that's a good point, yeah. So, yeah, I think it's Devontae. I really think he is – I think he could have a better season than A.J. Brown, and that's not because it's A.J. Brown's bad or anything. I just think Devontae is being slept on a little bit. I think he's looked at the 1B or the 2 to, to A.J. Brown's either 1A or number 1. So I think he's being a little bit underrated. Mm. Um, don't buy it, but whatever. Um, big. What? Who is the, like – the comp for this situation where like the the other wide receiver was like being overshadowed and not talked about enough and mm-hmm. then he kind of blew up i have i have what i think might be the answer um which is it's ironic like if you consider like who the players are that are involved in like the recent history of them do you want to hear my answer yeah i think that Devonte smith is the calvin ridley to aj brown's julio jones uh okay. which is ironic given aj brown's most recent like you know, wingman, so to speak. And um, the Eagles wanting to trade for Calvin Ridley. Right. And that Julio, we t- actually, I actually mentioned the Julio Jones uh, not catch in the divisional round um, on last week's episode. And so, I mean, Calvin Ridley's rookie year, remember, it was like, oh, well, AJ, you know, Julio's still going to be Julio. And like Calvin Ridley, but like Calvin Ridley like blew up offensively. I think another comp, and this would make you feel better, although also make you feel pain, is Devontae, and he's not a rookie, but he could be the Justin Jefferson to um, AJ Brown's Adam Thielen, I was that, that is the exact example I was thinking of. It's obviously a different situation, right? Draft and not, you know, it's not apples to apples, but that is the scenario I was thinking of. Because Thielen has basically been underrated, right? Because Jefferson came in and he got all the numbers and everything, but Thielen's still really, really good so that yeah. makes Jalen Hurts Kirk Cousins perfect um uh, defensive side of the ball um you can go first because I went first last um there's multiple names this was a tough pick there are multiple names I considered here I considered a Marcus Epps I just think it's too soon to put him in there I think he's being a little bit underrated because everyone thinks safety is a big need for the Eagles and I agree that it is but I think it's possible that he could be an okay starter I don't think he's hopeless TJ Edwards is a really good linebacker and the Eagles season turnaround last year also everyone talks about how you know they shifted from pass to run and that helped and it did but also defensively putting tj edwards in there and getting eric wilson out who they ended up cutting um made a big difference for the defense that was a really big change but i still think he has limitations in coverage and i don't know if he's going to be around for the long term so i think he kind of is somewhat properly rated uh, at least for the eagles perspective uh, eagles fan perspective avante maddox was actually ninth on pff's list of the best slot corners in the nfl so i think you could throw him in the mix although he got a contract extension that kind of makes him like that's he's being paid commensurately commensurately um i think there's an n in there commensurately commensurately he's getting paid what he's worth is the point i have hassan yeah, reddick an <laughs> because i i think hassan reddick has been underrated from a standpoint oh, of geez. People point well, like he was the first domino for the Eagles offseason, but like people are more hyped about AJ Brown and Jordan Davis and Nicobe Dean. I almost think Reddick gets a little like forgotten from that standpoint. There's a and, difference between forgotten and underrated, though. Okay, well, I think there's yeah, but I think there's a common thread, and I, I just don't think he's getting a ton of hype. I think he's a little underrated. Um, he is he the best? Could he be the best edge rusher in the NFC East this year? No, and why? No. 
Why? Be- because Micah Parsons and Chase Young exist. Why, why couldn't he be better than them? Four and players Kayvon, have more sacks than him. I would even throw Kayvon Thibodeau ahead of him. Like I'm, four, four players have more sacks than him in the past two years. Yeah, that, but that's like think about how different the NFL was two years ago. Like, I mean, you know, how much? I don't actually don't know how how much of his um of his sack totals come two years ago. Let's see. So in 2020, yeah. he had. He had two really big years the past two seasons. As, and 12 and, and a half sacks. I mean, which coincided with him finally moving from linebacker, like off-ball linebacker to edge rusher. And I will say, like, eight forced fumbles in the past two years, too. Like, these are high-quality sacks. It's not like he's just, like, padding the stat sheet here. He is, like, being really disruptive and making big impact plays. So I think he's kind of underrated. I think he could be – I think there's a world where he is the Eagles' best addition they made this offseason, and I don't think a lot of people are thinking that right now because I think they're thinking, again, more along the lines of, like, A.J. Brown or maybe even Jordan Davis or Nicobe Dean. So just looking at last year, I mean, and I'm not trying to, like, you know, nitpick, but um, – so he started off very strong, one and a half sacks in each of the first three games, and then none against the Cowboys, incidentally, uh, two against the Eagles, ironically – um and ha- registered a sack on november 21st against washington when they lost the ron rivera bowl and then over the final one two three four five games of the year that he played because he did not play in new orleans he had half a sack and the panthers were really bad and they weren't getting opportunities to rush the passer because they were down all the time I just, like, their offense sucked i'm just saying like i'm not saying like he sucks like terrible addition i'm just saying like let's relax like saying he could be the best edge rusher in, in the nfc East. that's he all could i'm saying be. Well, yeah, but so could Dorrance Armstrong then, like, if we're, no. <laughs> if we're like, throwing Ow. out those sorts of, like, you know, could-be uh, umbrellas. But um, but I understand your point that people are kind of, like, more excited about other things. Um, and isn't Hassan Reddick wearing a stupid number? Am He's I wearing seven. Yeah, I don't Ugly. love it. Oh, my gosh. Ugh. Terrible. Stupid. Wrong. Ugh. It's what he wore at Temple, to be fair. I don't so care. It's not like I coming out of nowhere. Well, that's care. fine. I'm just giving the context. It's but, stupid. yeah, I agree. I don't like it. He should wear um, 58 because Trent Cole used to wear 58 and that would be good. Yeah, that's a great number uh, for, for that situation. Uh, but my answer is also another stupid number. I don't know if that uh, gives it away. But again, I think this is always an interesting episode. I say always like we've done it a hundred times, but um, because like we're coming from two different perspectives, obviously, right? Like I'm more like national perspective when it comes to the Eagles, certainly like divisional perspective, but um, like each team's fan base over and underrates players very differently than the rest of the world. Mm-hmm. And so that being said, I do think that this might be an answer. You're like, what? Like, oh, he's probably rated to be very clear. He has an elite number um his first season with the eagles but changed it which was a mistake um darius slay i i i think he is underrated i think he's one of the better i wouldn't say best but better corners in the nfl maybe like you know if i have to make a, I haven't made a list but i have to make a list like i think he probably cracks my top 10 um i mentioned pff defensive grades which again is not the like best measurement in the world but do you know where he finished you probably did like you probably read about this among cornerbacks was yeah. he like i don't know third he was uh, very close. He was actually not the highest NFC East corner. Um, it was not Trayvon Diggs. Kendall Fuller was third. Mm. Uh, but Darius Slay was fourth. Um, I mean, I think, and again, sometimes, like I mentioned, legacy players, like people only remember the end. I think there's so many people, not Eagles fans, but who only remember 2020 and who are like, oh, the Eagles traded for Darius Slay and they came with this new contract. Like, oh, it's terrible. It doesn't, didn't even work out. Like, he was pretty solid last year. And, you know, kind of like put the spotlight on Teddy Bridgewater, which I really appreciated because uh, everybody thinks Teddy is just like perfect and infallible. But um, I don't have like a problem with Teddy to be clear. I just, you know, let's be objective. But um, Darius Slate is my answer. I think he's underrated. I think he's reached that point of like, you know, kind of like living in the shadow, so to speak. I had him, I think, as my most overrated defender uh, last year. 
he definitely had a way better year in well, 2021 yeah, than he did in 2020. Uh, Pro Bowl player. I do think that was boosted a little bit um, by some, like, I mean, he was really good. Don't get me wrong. But like, he was boosted a little bit. Like, the Denver game was weird. The return right. that he had was, like, a little weird and not, like, a, like that's not, like, a sustainable play, right? Like, that's not just something that, like, oh, wow, that's, that's only he can do that. Like, it was kind of just, like, a weird play. Um, and he happened to make it, so he gets the credit and the, you know, at, at adulation uh he gets the whatever honors for that um but yeah it's fine i'm not gonna like say you're you're like you're totally wrong i get where you're coming from with it i wouldn't pick it you wouldn't be using not in my consideration but i understand what you're arguing he could lead the nfl interceptions next year that's the hassan reddick i would not say that (laughs) (laughs) um okay um you want to go washington or new york first let's go with washington we'll go in order we're still with the division you don't want to take a break here um let's take a break uh for the podcast audience uh but the youtube audience we're not going anywhere ready break in three two one benny welcome back wow um you told me that you uh carved something out of wood during the break what was it it was the bgn logo that i have behind me (laughs) nice you can't see Uh, it people i i mean if you talk i'll go get it uh, why don't you start with Washington's most underrated player in offense? Um, are you going to go get it while yeah. I do that? Well, th- but then you wouldn't hear my assessment. I mean, I'm, it's only like right behind me. I'm going to be able to just kind of roll back in my roll okay. chair and get it. Oh, okay. Uh, by the way, wh- while you start to roll, um, I saw this thing on, um, I think, Reddit um, about somebody who removed the wheels from their chair and um, fixed, like, took the like chair wheels off and put rollerblade wheels on their chair. Um, so, um, what I was saying while your headphones were off is I saw somebody who took the wheels off their chair and put rollerblade wheels on them. Um, maybe you should do that, but that looks pretty cool. That's what you whittled or carved. Yeah, I did this by myself. It definitely wasn't my friend, Josh. Mm, shout out to Josh. Um, if your name was Drake, you could be Drake and Josh, but yeah, it's not. Or Josh and Drake. Um, that's not what the name of the show was, but anyway, um, these last two are tough, and so they, we won't need to spend as much time on them. <laughs> but, like, it's difficult to be underrated when you're really, really, really bad. Um, I think we both probably agree the answer is Terry McLaurin, like, if we're being, like, super-duper fair. But um, that's... I think he's properly rated, though. I think people realize he's Maybe really he's good. become properly rated. Um, but, I mean, I cannot wait till we do overrated, because Curtis yeah, saying... Yeah, overrated's okay, more fun. <laughs> come on down. Um, I, look, this is going to upset you, all right? Hmm. It's Carson Wentz. Yeah, I like, knew you were going to do this. I knew he, you were going to do this. He, he, dude, because people, like, again, underrated means underrated. It doesn't mean, like, you're actually good. It just means you are, like, underrated. And mm-hmm. people think he is, like, the worst quarterback in the NFL. And I don't believe that. I actually think the Colts downgraded for, as far as, like, quarterback talent is, you know, concerned. Obviously, as far as personality and leadership, they didn't. But right. I think Carson Wentz is, is one of the most talented players that has been playing that position for this team since Kirk Cousins. I suspected you were going to do this because it's a good troll as well. I mean, I agree that he is. You can't. You couldn't put him in overrated because who's 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 doing that? Who was? I mean, Washington's overrated, uh, him, but yeah, Washington. Uh, I think. Yeah, it's it's. I get it. He, he is. Was he objectively? You know, it's fair. It's it's not like ridiculous to say that he you know is underrated at this point, especially for like the way like online talks about him. How he finished last year wasn't a hundred percent reflective of his entire season. It's he was defined by that moment because it was really bad, and it matters. It, it weighs more than the rest of the season does. He came up incredibly short in a huge spot. Um, so, 
I'm not like the, the, the spirit of all of that to me leads me to not pick him because it's like, I, I, I know he might be getting a little too much criticism, but he doesn't deserve benefit of the doubt is how I would put it. I went with Charles Leno because it's not, it's like a boring pick, whatever, who cares really about Charles Leno. But I was looking at some of the grading on him. He was PFF's 12th highest graded offensive tackle last year. He was actually second overall in pass protection. That was a pretty good pickup for Washington. Like the Bears just cut him. <laughs> he was their starting left tackle and they cut him and they picked him up and he's been pretty good. And like to kind of make this a relevant discussion for this year, I'm interested to see how they do with Andrew Norwell, who once upon a time, he got a big contract from the Jags and Trey Turner as well. Like those are kind of guys who've been established starters in the league that Washington picked up. Um, and uh, they're, they're, they might be decent players. Those might be like their Charles Leno for this year. Like it's picking up these guys who've started before. Um, so yeah, there you go. Maybe we're just underrating the Washington off season, like as a whole, the football part of it, at least. Um, yeah, maybe, maybe we are like, that's, that's why this exercise is always interesting. Um, I did want to mention this one more time on Carson Wentz. I think Charles Leno is also a logical pick. He has, or last season had, of current NFC East quarterbacks, he had the second highest DVOA relative to quarterbacks specifically. Only one ahead of him, obviously, Dak Prescott, but he was higher than Jalen Hurts, granted by one spot. He was higher than Taylor Heineke. He was higher than Daniel Jones. He was higher than Tua, than Lamar Jackson, than Matt Ryan. I mean, like, again, Russell I think uh, he actually was uh, – um i'm sorry no he was one like two, right below him four spots below russell wilson uh it's russell at 13th then mac jones joe burrow josh allen carson once so again like you shouldn't lean on one statistic like and like make your whole point out of it but like, like that's my point like he is like people act like he is 32 of 32 and he's not so he's underrated in my mind um defensively for washington i think the answer is probably montez sweat hmm I mean, it's hard. Like, because they're hard. It, this is hard because their their whole group kind of like regressed last year. I think you can make an argument that it's maybe Chase Young uh, at this point. Again, in like the world of the literal term of underratedness, because people have like forgotten who he was as a rookie because he got hurt and the team was so bad and all the drama and everything. So like, you know, I think Montez Sweat's a, a one answer. But I mean, if you wanted to go Chase Young, I'm totally cool with that as well. I think it's hard in a just to argue their defensive line is underrated because that's one of the most like known things about Washington. Our people would be like, "Oh, that's their strongest unit." So from that perspective, but I did write down here to your point. Quote: Do you think Chase Young is being a little forgotten coming off his injury? And then I think he is because you yourself kind of forgot about him and talking about Hassan Reddick being the best edge rusher in the NFC East. Well, I mean, I think he You're could be better than him, but it's possible that Chase Young is better. But here's my question for you, and I was thinking like. Could you see Chase Young having like a TJ Watt impact like for the Steelers? You know, not, and I don't know if the sack total is that high, but the point being like the Steelers were, they made the playoffs last year in part because they had TJ Watt. Like that's very clear. Like, they don't mm -hmm. have TJ Watt. They're not making the playoffs. Like I could see Chase Young having Washington, I don't know, in the postseason, but like on the bubble at least just because he's having such a monster season. I don't think that's like likely necessarily. I'm not banking on that to happen, but I think that path for that exists. I think that's a good comp. I think another one, and I mentioned this on another episode, um, but like 2018 Khalil Mack, like that offense, you know, like Matt Nagy and everything, 
like Mitchell Trubisky. I think so, like I think this this Washington team is better than that Bears team. Like overall, I mean, maybe the overall defense isn't as good, but I mean, like if if he can have that superstar T.J. Watt, Cleo Mack, Micah Parsons, whatever, like light L I T E season, then yeah, like I think you know there's enough around him to also be good enough. I mean, we saw it kind of like find itself after everything got super duper bad last year. Um, but yeah, I think what a world where Chase Young is underrated. Like that's you know nice little. Uh, he, not heel turn, face turn, I guess. He wasn't my actual pick. I just put him as oh. honorable mention. My actual pick was Bobby McCain. Uh, Do you know who that is? I mean, yeah, but I mean, you know. He, he only allowed a 65.5 passer rating last year. He had four picks, nine passes defense. And he in Miami the year before, he only had allowed a 64.3 passer rating. So there's multiple years of him kind of playing good back there. Again, it's not exciting. And that speaks to Washington's roster that like Charles Leno and Bobby McCain are their most underrated players. But uh, I think that kind of speaks to, and I'm saying speaks to a lot, but that speaks to Washington's like GM. This is like Washington's never the worst, right? They're never like total. I mean, they're a dumpster fire off the field, but like they quietly make some solid moves to keep them usually like out of being like a top five pick kind of team. And like, mm-hmm. or, like being the, they're not the Jaguars. They're not going to be right. that, or like the Jets, they're not going to be that bad because they quietly make these like solid moves like that. that aren't really flashy but kind of just solid um so yeah there you go um we don't have an enormous amount of time uh left so um i can run through the giants really right (laughs) i think the giants answer it is tough like yeah i I mean i think especially i think the answer is probably sterling shepherd um Mm -hmm. just because he's the one that i dislike the least as far as like potential right now i think similar to Maybe not Chase Young, but like I think you can make an argument for Daniel Jones because like he gets treated again like this just buffoon, and I don't think that's true either. Um, that's just like the comedy of the NFC East at this point. Um, so I'm fine with any of those answers. I don't think you can make, like make the argument that we've made for several players for Saquon Barkley. I think he's very no. properly rated. That's I thought um, Saquon he had might a quote. be overrated still, honestly. Yeah, like well, he had a quote at OTAs like recently that was like, "I can't wait to prove everybody wrong." It's like, what do you mean? Like, <laughs> like you've you've done the proving right now. Like you're proving everybody all you've done is prove like and i don't think you're proving anybody wrong like a lot of people actually believed in you saquon at the very beginning like you actually already proved them wrong uh but so he's the only one who i think is exempt from this special sort of underrated distinction i went with kenny galladay and it doesn't make sense from a contract perspective he's overrated from that standpoint but i just think what he was last year was like i think that was i think he's due for positive regression like i think he's going to regress back to a little bit more when he was why he, he was the the player that the Giants paid for and I don't know that he's going to be like amazing but I think he's going to have a better season which is not saying much than he did last year um so you know better quarterback play I'm guessing with Daniel Jones not being hurt assuming he's healthy and then the offensive line should be you know again more respectable than it was last year so I think it's possible he bounces back do I feel like amazing about that no but again there's really no great pick on offense for them and then defense I think there's a clear answer and to me it's Xavier McKinney um 65.4 pass rating allowed in 2020 as a rookie and then 72.2 last year he had five picks he had 10 passes defensed i know giants fans really like him a lot he's not underrated by them but i think um he's, he's one of the more encouraging players on their roster as a whole i agree um again i think Kayvon thibodeau has a chance to like be this answer a year from now because the giants will probably be bad and i think he could have like a solid season and so this could be like you know and if he does perform well individually then he will get a lot of like stories written about him and stuff because he's a electrifying personality uh but yeah xavier mckinney i mean kind of the forgotten 
person in the 2020 draft class. Like he, there was a lot of Cowboys fans that wanted him. Um, So I agree. Um, Shout out to the New York Giants. Um, Head coach. This is Why don't you go first? (laughs) So I actually, um, on the day that we're recording this Thursday, June 9th, I had an episode of my podcast called Blog on the Boys where I talked about, did you see uh, the PFF head coach ranking? Come on. Did you see that? Oh, well, I mean, I just make sure. Um, and they had Mike McCarthy 10th, and there were all these like, oh my gosh, oh, McCarthy 10th. I do think, and again, like leaning on the literalness of the word, I think that Mike McCarthy is underrated because I think that people treat him like he is literally the worst coach of all time. Like any success happens despite him. I, and I think that people look at the Packers, you know, run the, of the entire Aaron Rodgers era. And, and I think this happens with other, other duos or other pairs and they only attribute the good things to Aaron Rodgers, but all of the bad things like Aaron Rodgers is exempt from any sort of bad play or bad decision-making despite everything we've learned over the last year and a half. Uh, but everything bad that happened during that time is attributed specifically to Mike McCarthy. And I, I think you have to give, like, if we, if we acknowledge the 2020 season for everyone, but for Mike McCarthy was a little wonky because of Dak Prescott's injury. Tyron Smith basically missed the whole year. Lyle Collins missed the whole year. I mean, his one true season of like authentic who his team is supposed to be is 12 and five. I realize there are a lot of, you know, wins against bad teams. I realize they did not have any success in the playoffs. I realize those are important things, but I think relative to how he is regarded, I think he's the most underrated coach in the NFC. I think Ron Rivera is very properly rated. I think yeah. I, Brian Dable is not really a part of this conversation. He might and be I, overrated. Yeah, I agree. I, but I think Nick Sirianni is also, you know, properly rated. Because the jury's still kind of out on him. Like, we don't really know fully what his impact's going to be. I can't pick the guy who again if, if, like they did if, for the Cowboys. If, if you're going to pick him for anything, I think this is the thing. Like, to, to make him under... Because, like, he is not a bottom third or bottom half coach in the NFL. He's just not. And like, again, that's how people treat him, which is silly. And it's, it, he's, he is a meme at this point, which is unfortunate, but be, when you become a meme, you get treated. And that's what Carson Wentz is. And so I think he's in that sort of neighborhood. It's kind of like the Sean McVay, Kirk Cousins thing for me. And there's difference there. Obviously McVay is more accomplished, um, but it's just like, those aren't the guys I want to bet on. I don't, I don't care. Like they, they can be great. I think both those guys are underrated in the book of BLG, by the way. So. They can objectively be um, really good in terms of like, this is a top five person. Okay, that's fine, but they could be way better. And there's also things that I just don't want to bet on in there. There's things that I don't feel good about, like believing in this person and McVay being a total coward and Cousins being a total loser in big spots. Um, so I think McCarthy's in that boat for me. Obviously, he is an above average coach if you rank all the coaches, but I just, I'm, he's not a guy I want to bet on. I said that last year. I, I will continue to feel good about that as th- he, th- those are chokes different in the points. Like, like, this isn't like, are you confident in him? This is, is he underrated? And I think he is the most underrated. And again, like, I don't mean to bring this discussion up because it's way too long for any conversation we have but certainly for the time we have left but like there's obviously a lot of cowboys fans who want sean payton and i don't mean to like just lean on wins and losses and and things like that but but mike mccarthy and sean payton have similar resumes right like if you look at them on paper and and people love to be like well mike mccarthy wasted aaron Rodgers' career 
Sean Payton had Drew Brees, you know, and and went had below 500 records three years in a row. You know what I mean? Like, like if 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 the NFC East mixtape existed in that time, we would have roasted Sean Payton. You know what I mean? Like, we would be sitting. He would have gotten the Sean McVay treatment that you know McVay gets from us, even though they just won the Super Bowl. And and I don't regret anything we've said about Sean McVay. I think we're you know well founded in that. But like people conveniently forget things or dismiss things with other people, and that doesn't happen to Mike McCarthy. And they make bigger mountains out of maybe not molehills, but smaller hills when it comes to McCarthy. And so I think he's a victim of the meanness. Um, so I do think he is the most underrated coach in the NFCs. I don't think you can objectively disagree with that. I have Sirianni, and of do course. I feel like strongly about it? I feel like I might be underrating Sirianni. I think it's what oh I come goodness. down to in that I've kind of just been on the middle for him. I've been leaning more positive generally. I've never really been like he's a total buffoon. Obviously, there was that stretch at the beginning of last year where I was wondering if he might be one and done because things were really bad for a bit there. Uh, but I think it's possible that Sirianni takes a big leap this year and the team takes a big leap. I think there's, again, like just kind of like I said with Chase Young, like there's that, there's a path, there's a world where that exists. I don't know that is likely. I do think it's possible that he makes that leap. Right now, he's kind of just in that middle. I'm kind of still wondering, like we said on the Truth Serum podcast, like I wonder where the Eagles think he gives them an edge. Uh, or all the areas that he gives them an edge. And I'm still kind of wondering about that. So that's just, that's my answer. Whatever. The, it's a homer the, pick. The answer is Mike McCarthy. Nick Sirianni gave me a fist bump yesterday. Am, am I allowing that to color my opinion? It's hard to say. The Who answer, would you pick for GM? The answer is Mike McCarthy. The answer for GM, for GM is Howie Roseman. It has to be. It he has last to be. Year. It can't no, be, dude. It's getting so much praise. Dude, like, but like, he, oh, he was like, like the best offseason. How so is that like, underrated? If, if we look at... Because, like, it was masterful, and I hate that. Like, I hate to admit that, but, like... The, but that's the, not being it, underrated. Everyone's agreeing with that. No, but, like... That, it's that, properly rated it, as a good offseason. I, I, but he is still, like, not... Like, there are people who look at... Like, Chris Ballard gets more love than Howie Roseman in some circles, which is stupid. Mm. Uh, and less need because, like, oh, the Rams, they spend money on everybody. Like, the Rams, like, are, are cool, and I uh, admire them. But, like, their philosophy isn't, like, innovative. It's just, like, let's keep all the good players and let's add let's more. Let's not draft like, people. Right. Like, I think Howie is the most creative. I mean, the way he finangled the trade for AJ Brown, the way he assured that the Eagles still have two first round picks next year and, and, and even a second another second round pick in two thousand twenty four. I mean, like, I, I think maybe he he he's not gonna win most overrated on this show, but like he has to win something. And so like he I'm the nobody else is underrated. Jerry Jones or Steven Jones or Will mm -hmm. McClay is not underrated. Um I mean, like you know, Joe Shane is is not in a place where he can be underrated. I don't agree. I think Shane could be underrated. I think People will, and I think looking forward to spinning this forward a little bit, I think the Giants may be bad this year and people are going to get, like, there's going to be heat for the Giants. And, oh, does Shane, does Shane even know what he's doing? And he does. I think he, I think the the ability to look at this roster and say, we cannot build on this. We need to tear this down more before we go forward. I think that's an underrated thing in GMing, especially because there's a lot of pressure on GMs to win now, especially first-time guys like this. So, uh, I picked him. It's not a slight to Howie. I think Howie's had a great offseason. I've said that. I think it's being properly rated. I think Shane is being a little underrated, at least from a mm. national perspective. We've you we've you've talked about this. You feel like the Giants are 
for lack of yeah, a better word, but, like a sleeping giant. They're kind of lying in the weeds. And I think but, you have to give Shane credit for that. We don't know what that fruit is going to yield. Like on sure. paper, it looks great, like to your point. But like we've seen the fruit of – and you're maybe looking at this differently than I am, which like this is the end of the episode. But like I'm more like considering the totality of these careers, not like where we're at in this particular moment. But you There's know, no right or wrong sense. answer. It's a podcast. It's a, it's a made-up activity we're um, doing. We're short on time, so I'm going to let you universally pick the most underrated coordinator for the Jeff NFC Stetland, the Eagles offensive line coach slash wrong game coordinator. I mean, he should have won assistant coach of the year. Not Dan. Was it Dan Quinn who won it? Yeah. Dude, yeah. what Dan Quinn's in? Like that, oh, my gosh. Like it's, the Eagles have like one of the Dan worst Quinn. offenses in the NFL. No, nah, Dan, Quinn, Dan Quinn might be coming overrated, just like by virtue of like, you know, the way things go. But um, fine. Okay. We did like it. Why? Why is? Why shouldn't Jeff Stetland be a head coach? And maybe he doesn't want to be. Well, know, I mean, yeah. Possible. Like, but why shouldn't like a billion people be head coaches? Like, well, that, wait, why isn't know. he getting an interview? Like, I don't know. He's maybe, he's, an interview. maybe he's not ready. Maybe again, they, well, maybe people I, wanted Mike McDaniel more. I mean, you yeah. know what I mean? Like, I don't think he wants to. And, he, and again, it's, him being older probably doesn't help because his teams want the young guys. But like, if <laughs> if I'm a team, like I would interview him. He seems pretty good at his job. The Eagles' offensive line is always really good, and it's not just about the talent. He gets more out of lesser guys. Um, so I would go with him. He, he, look, Jeff Stoutland is a huge reason why the Eagles made the playoffs last year. He might be, yeah. Like so is the fact season. that a seven seed existed. So sure. Um, okay. We did it all next week. We'll record at a different time and it will be most overrated players. Who do you think is overrated in the NFC East? Let us know. BLG is on Twitter and Instagram at Brandon Gotten. I am on Twitter and Instagram at RJO Chubb. Brandon, the final seven shout out to Hassan Reddick words well, belong to you. I wanted to do the random three words thing from last show that I didn't get to oh, do okay the random so three, three words okay three so random just, words just say three random words and that then don't go. associate with each other no they're not like right, right, right. yeah okay so i'm gonna say watermelon i'm gonna say charger and i'm gonna say trophy enjoy san diego